0: Hello everybody, welcome to the metal Hammer podcast. It is episode 167. I am Mel from Hammer. Thanks as always for joining us. This week's episode is a review roundup featuring myself, Jonathan Seltzer, reviews editor of Melthammer and metal Hammer writer, Mr. Stephen Hill, all reviewing the latest metal releases that you need to know about. But before we get stuck into that, don't forget that the latest issue of Metal Hammer magazine is out right now as well. We are celebrating 10 years of baby metal, if you can believe that. Uh, that issue is out across the UK in shops and you can also get it sent directly to your door from tinyurl.com slash gethammer. That's tinyurl.com slash gethammer hammer uh, we had some baby metal bundles that went online this week and they sold out very fast indeed so sorry if you didn't get your hands on those uh the bundles we put up don't tend to mess around they go very very quickly and on that note if you're a big Gejira fan, we are releasing some special Gazira bundles this week featuring some signed goodies. So keep an eye on the Metal Hammer website and our social media channels for more news of those. I don't think those will stick around very long either. So do not mess about. You're going to want to get off those if you're a big uh, big Gejira fan. Uh, We want to give a big shout out to our sponsors as well. The brilliant Killstar sponsor the Metal Hammer Podcast. They are one of the world's leading alternative fashion brands. They have a fantastic range of clothing, shoes, accessories and lifestyle items for all genders. So whether you consider yourself a metalhead, a goth, a punk or you simply just love alternative fashion and accessories, it's the site for you. And Metal Hammer Podcast listeners get an exclusive discount off of Killstar items. All you have to do to access it is sign up to the Killstar newsletter. You'll get a 10% discount off your next purchase and you'll be entered into a draw to win a 100 pound Killstar gift card. How cool is that? Uh, So to claim your discount and be entered into the draw, all you have to do is visit killstar.com slash pages slash metal pods. That's killstar.com slash pages slash metal pods. Enter your details there and you'll be sent a code for the discounts that will expire after 30 days. Uh, Killstar had t-shirts, dresses, shoes, pin badges, beanies, sunglasses, pretty much anything you can think of. It's all there. You can keep yourself out for summer. So head over to killstar.com slash pages slash metal pods now. And if you're entering from the US or Europe, you can also access the page by adding US dot or EU dot at the start of that address. And if you win, the prize draw will be for $100 gift cards or 100 euro gift cards, uh, depending on where you're coming in from. And you can sign up to all that until July 2nd. So get on it. You'll have some good stuff. You're going to want to uh, not miss out on that. Uh, So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to myself, Stephen and Jonathan talking about some of the biggest and most interesting metal releases coming at you imminently. Some of them are already out. One of them is quite a big one that's coming out next week. Uh, We talk Fear Factory, Atreyu, uh, we talk Perturbator, Black Moon Mother, Noctal, a really cool mix of artists in there. It's all good stuff, so we hope you enjoy it. Uh, You might hear a little bit of pop and crackle on my mic. I had a couple of uh, feed issues as we were recording, but uh, the rest of it should go pretty swimmingly. So uh, we hope you enjoy this is me steve and jonathan now then boys we've got some albums to review it's been a few weeks since we've done a review roundup so we thought we'd do one here Uh, one of the albums is coming out next week the rest the ones that are out there right now you can go and listen to immediately after finishing this podcast wide old range of albums we're going to get stuck into today Uh, and i think the first one we should get stuck into is probably in many ways the most interesting from a context standpoint uh, the new Fear Factory album, Aggression Continuum, is out June 18th on Nuclear Plus. That's next Friday. Um, this is an album that for all intents and purposes looked like it was going to be an absolute clusterfuck because the situation around Fear Factory has been a total clusterfuck. The bands have kind of fallen apart again, um, not for the first time, uh, but it is for the first time that vocalist Burton C. Bell Uh, is not going to be in the band anymore and all this news kind of came ahead of the release and for a while we didn't even know if Burton was going to be on the album if they had another singer in by then because Dino was doing press saying they were bringing another singer in at some point all this stuff so it's a bit of a mess Um, but not only is Burton on this Fear Factory album despite the fact he's technically not in the band anymore um, but it's actually really good (laughs) Uh, what you said about this Fear Factory album Steve And all the kind of uh, bullshit around it, I guess.
1: Well, it is bullshit around, isn't it? And it's a real shame because I think Fear Factory um, have been sort of surrounded by bullshit for quite a long time now. Since pretty much, uh, I mean, after Digimort, all they Burton left. I mean, that's going back, you know, twenty plus years now. But Burton left, and then he came back, and then they just split up, and then they came back with a, you know, the first time around with no Dino and then they just split up again and then they came back with the classic lineup, which was just Dino Burton. And it just feels like the last 20 years, fear factory has been quite an exhausting band to be a fan of, you know, because there's so much outside stuff going on. You know, there's so much stuff that you're like soap opera shit that you have to sort of worry about. And it's a shame because particularly when they sort of properly came back in the mid noughties, um, They've actually been making really, really good music in, I would say, the last like 10 to 12 years. They've actually made really, really good Fear Factory albums in that time when they had, was it Byron Stroud and Gene Hoglan were the kind of rhythm section for that period of um, Mechanise, which I think is Mate, a great Mechanise is
0: honestly, um, I don't know what would make it onto my overall Fear Factory podium after and obsolete but mechanized would definitely be in the conversation it's fucking great that record yeah.
1: and it's it's you know it's a really really strong record and i think they had a little period that's probably the most sort of it's like safe and um secure as a band that they felt for quite a long time um and now this has happened and i think the last one was it called genexus or nexus or something or genesis uh, that that came out probably like five six years ago that wasn't great but this album's come out and i was a bit like oh god all the drama surrounding it it's kind of like suffocated my thoughts of how much i would actually enjoy this record and then you stick it on not really expecting anything and it's fucking great like it's really good you know it's it's they're not obviously not inventing the wheel. In any way whatsoever. It sounds like classic Fear Factory. And I mean if you're a long time fan of them as a band. Which I am. they, They just do that thing. Better than anyone else. They've got a really obvious. You know they've obviously got a very unique and specific sound to them. And I think it'd be asking quite a lot for them to. To really change too much. In the grand spectrum of music at this point in their career. But they kind of get away with it because they sound so obviously like Fear Factory. And it's great to hear a band sound, I'd say almost as good as they sounded back in their heyday, all this time down the line. But it's just a shame that it's going to get overshadowed by what is a lot of kind of he said, she said silliness, you know?
0: Yeah, so it's a, it's a weird context of this album. Um, and to be honest, like, I mean, you know, I'm kind of similar to Steve. They're historically one of my favourite bands. Steve many one of my favourite metal albums. Um, I've liked a lot of their post 2000 output, um, but when I heard this album was coming, it was just, I, I was quite surprised it had been five or so years since the last record to be honest, because I just kind of felt like uh, it's another Fear Factory album, but the bullshit around the band has been amplified this time, and I just I wasn't that interested. I was just a bit like, uh, yeah, okay, fine. Um, part of that was because I was under the impression Burton was good, wasn't going to be on it, and I was just like, well. I'm interested to see what a new person sounds like, but it just seems odd to not have Burton on a Fear Factory album. Um, But then, yeah, listening to it, there's loads of great fucking stuff on here. And you're right, Steve, this is Fear Factory. They do what they do and they do it better than anyone. But there's something about the kind of balance of production and the way some of the album is produced um, and put together that gives it quite a unique feel a lot of the times. I mean, on that first song, Recode, when those kind of sweeping symphonic keys come in, like i know this is a really obvious reference point but like some of that shit sounds like it could be on a nightwish album and i'm honestly not exaggerating it's really like grandiose and symphonic and i mean for fact have always had keys and that style to their music but it's really kind of like big dramatic sweeping melodies um over this song and it just makes it feel a bit different it makes it feel a bit more kind of cinematic and
1: almost like soundtracky in a sense um, and i thought that was really well it's like it's like brass isn't it i mean it's yeah. sort of I guess, you know, um, on The Satanist, Behemoth brought in that thing. And then I think a a lot of bands post that have used... I think the Soulfly album Archangel that came about a year or so after, they used a lot of that kind of arcane sounding brass. But I've never really heard it used, I mean, certainly not by Fear Factory and certainly not in the way, kind of marrying that with this very sort of tech-heavy um robo metal that fear factory do this kind of industrial metal that is quite a new yeah you're right that's quite a new sound and it and it sounds really good so there's definitely little touches of things where you can see they try to do different bits and bobs but really you know they they are they are so good at writing them songs about the machines do you know what i mean like they're so good at that yeah i mean um, even
0: the song titles are just so fear Factory like manufactured hope as i said recode like even like collapse I was, I was a bit like fear factory really never had a song called collapse before do you know what i mean like it just seems like a song they should have written before um,
1: and that's that fuel injected suicide machine yeah I mean, like that's probably
0: know. like pulling names out of a fear factory hat isn't it it's
2: like, so good yeah.
0: um and yeah, yeah i love I-, I mean going, on
2: jonathan no i mean as much as i like this album i kind of feel that like and it is a you know a good fear factory album in a lot of ways but i also kind of feel that they've painted themselves into corner a little bit like this is as good as you're gonna get um and um, so I actually think that um, having a new singer is an opportunity to kind of maybe reassess what they can do and maybe give them a new kind of breath of life. Because with this one, I mean, it's good that they've managed to kind of get back to what they do, but it's not there's nothing really mind blowing on it. It's just like it's just it's more of a sense of relief. Plus, I think that, um, you know, a lot of the bits with the clean vocals, uh, they go on a bit too long and the, and, and the melodies are a bit bit too tra la 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 la.
0: I know exactly what you mean by that. I I thought the same thing. There's some bits where he really kinda goes and it kinda goes up down up down up down and
2: it lasts a really long time. Yeah, and it yeah and it just and it just loses the um and it just loses the um momentum of it. Um and it kinda makes you also feel it's like because obviously like in Fear Factory there's a humongous Godflesh influence at the beginning. And and sometimes I just feel like this is still sort of godflesh light, like the way they use some of the grooves, but but not with the kind of the sense of claustrophobia that Godflesh had it, the way that kind of breaks into the clean vocals. And, but now also here, you can hear lots of Meshuggah, you know, disruptors has got this kind of very Meshuggah-esque groove. Uh, Purity has got, is, that, that groove is very like bleed. Um, so I think it's good. I think it's not brilliant. Um, I just think that it's, It's kind of like a, it's it's good, but it's it's almost like a dead end. I also think it's quite ironic that um, the last line on the album where he repeats, you know, fear is a mind killer, and the last lyrics are, when the fear is gone, only I remain, which is quite ironic considering. I
0: know, I thought that was quite interesting, because I presume that Dino's the the one who's kind of structured the album and all that kind of stuff, because obviously Burton's gone now. I mean, it must be very strange for Burton singing on an album from a band he's left and is not feeling particularly... uh happy about at the moment but there's a lot of that kind of stuff on here i mean the first lyric on the first track recode is imagine your life taken from you um and then yeah the right at the end that with those lyrics you were just talking about jonathan i mean that track's called end of line so it's just kind of like there's mm. a lot of very obvious narrative uh, stuff going on here that links into fear factory um And it's impossible not to consider those because it is, as I said, such a bizarre and unique circumstance in which we greet this Fear Factory album. But I do think it's a really strong record. Um, You know, I do think there's enough little interesting flourishes on there to make me want to come back for more as opposed to maybe the last couple of Fear Factory albums. Um, I love the track Collapse that I mentioned earlier. It's just this gut-heavy grinding riff that sounds fucking awesome. I love the bounce on uh, Manufactured Hope. It's almost got this kind of Crossfaith-esque gravy vibe to the to the intro, like the keys that run under it. Um so yeah there's a lot going on and I think it's I think it's a strong album and I think it's you know if this is the last time we ever see Burn on a Fear Factory album it's a it's a solid it's a solid bow out I'd say.
1: Is that fair Steve? I mean for me it is yeah I mean I I I, I understand the kind of Godflesh comparisons obviously from particularly on like Soul of a New Machine early on. But I think again, I mean, people will kind of point to Ban Strapping Young Lad and go, Wow, they do that better than Fear Factory. I think Fear Factory are a really nice middle ground between what was kind of new metal and I don't know, static X or Spineshank or whatever, and that more extreme stuff. I think they've always sort of straddled that line really well where they're not they're not really a death metal band or a, a kind of extreme industrial band or whatever. They have got, you know, when you listen to, you mentioned Obsolete. Obviously, Digimortal was really, you know, properly quite clean for, for Fear Factory, covering cars and stuff like that. I think they've always had one eye on, you know, writing bigger, dare I say it, poppier. I don't know, not even poppier, but like more melodic, catchier um, stuff in their career. And I think, you know. For me, this record does that thing, but doesn't scrimp on what I think probably the best thing about Fear Factory is, which is Dino's guitar riffs. Like when that kind of, when that rhythmic machine starts moving, I think they're an absolutely brilliant band and it is a really sort of beautifully unique sound. I know it's obviously borrowed from a lot of things that we've already mentioned, but yeah, I think just hearing that, that kind of Fear Factory machine moving in the way that it can in 2021 for me was very exciting i think jonathan's right like there's not they're not going to do i don't i think new singer or not i can't ever imagine fear factory sounding like anything other than what fear factory have always sort of sounded like Um, i can't i can't
0: i I agree with jonathan it would be a it's a lovely idea but i can't see it's just dino's band now isn't it and i just can't see anyone
2: overriding
0: him in a meaningful way when it comes to influencing the direction of that band i might be wrong but
2: yeah I, I just think like lyrically and maybe with someone's delivery as well. it's just on just on the right side of self-parody, but it's but there's that lurking danger of um you know lyrically and it's just like us against machine, you can't do this to me or whatever and it's just it's almost like a you know it's almost like a hardcore band. it's like who are you to judge me kind of feeling, but without any without any without like whoever's do, doing this thing to you being specified.
1: I think some. I think it feels like, I, I guess if you're a fan, like, you know, I was probably about 15 when I first got in the Fear Factory and it feels like a sort of nice warm comfort blanket to hear them sound exactly the same. I know some bands, you want them to evolve and to change. And, you know, we've spoken about someone like Deftones on this show before and how great it is that they've had this really kind of amazing evolution throughout their career. But sometimes bands just, do the thing that scratches that particular itch. And I think this album scratches that itch very well, personally.
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, I've got a huge long history with them. I remember I've been following them since the beginning. Uh, I writing, for, writing about them in Military Maker days, seeing them at the Underworld. Um, and I've been following them and interviewing them for you know ever since like the late 90s. So I've got a lot of residual affection for them, but um, I'm still not going to give them a complete pass. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fair enough that is uh that is totally your right
2: and uh, you know i I, yeah so i I do have a lot of history with
0: that no that that is your right that is your right that's fine um the album is out next week next friday it's called a aggression continuum basically if you like fear factory old or new you want some fear factory in your life this is gonna tick the box um with some industrial style uh (laughs) that's fucking cheesy uh next up (laughs) speaking of cheesy they are saved it um, we've got the new album from Atreyu Baptised, this album snuck up on me a bit to be honest, I kind of barely knew it was on the way and then it was just out in the world already uh, it's out now on Spine Farm it's quite a big album for Atreyu in a way because it's the first record without Alex on vocals um, he left last year there's a little bit of heat going on in that situation it seems to use some uh, wrestling parlance, um, we've, we've got Brandon on cleans, he's replaced on drums by Carl Rosa, and Porter's doing screams uh, as well as bass um, so I think I've got that alright um so yeah atreya are an interesting band i was never the most diehard atreya fan i know el um it's a shame el's not here because i know el was a big atreya fan back in the day so she can probably give this a fairer shake than i um but they were unquestionably a huge um force on the kind of metalcore scene especially those bands coming out of orange county in the mid 2000s um they kind of went away they came back they've had a solid slog of it since they've been releasing album after album since then i think it's their third album since they kind of made their comeback a few years ago um and this album Baptized, i guess it just kind of continues their evolution into a super polished super streamlined well-produced u.s radio rock slash metal band um i mean i didn't know exactly what to expect from them this time around but the title track which i think is the first song on the album i played it for you a few times the first time i heard it right and i'm not necessarily saying this is an insult because i don't actually have any beef with the band i'm about to compare it to but it reminded me of a song by a band and i couldn't work out how it was and i had to go over and over and over again and then it suddenly hit me that it sounds like nickelback (laughs) do you know what i mean i can't i can't tell if you're uh, unimpressed with my comparison steve or just unimpressed with the song i'm talking about (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh cheers. yeah i i would say in the context i would say in the context that's that's giving him too much credit oh wow okay we're going in well i mean for what it's worth like yeah I, I genuinely
0: thought it sounded like a nickelback song with kind of a slightly not quite up there patrick stump singing the chorus like there's such a clear kind of um approach to where to what atreyu do now which as i said is basically becoming a mega polished us radio friendly metal band i mean this album is music it's filled with music that you would hear on a modern day main product wwe pay-per-view it's catchy it's hooky it's flooded with those little electronic flourishes and gimmicks that you get in so much mainstream metal now and it's glossed with that soft edged kind of post 2010 metal production that does really well in certain territories um i don't find this kind of metal particularly inspiring especially now when there's just so much exciting innovative shit going on in the scene when it comes to young bands but i think this is a really well put together album and i don't dislike it at all um i kind of think by steve's face and jonathan's as well you might not be as kind as
1: i should i start with the good stuff or what made what what i thought was good (laughs) so um it's always nice to have your suspicions confirmed. And this <laughs> album confirmed the suspicion that I've long held since about 2002 that Atreo are fucking hacks. Oh. Um, absolute fucking hacks. I remember seeing them supporting Boy Sets Fire in uh, it probably was about 2001, 2002. And I didn't know who they were, but I remember thinking, being into like hardcore quite a lot and thinking, who are these cheesy fucking motley crew wankers coming into this gig and stinking the entire place out and I've always always hated Atreyu and everything that they've sort of created really. Um the 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 commercialization of the the kind of the gentrification of Metalcore is they are, you know, they are Like it's got their the blood of that is all over their their fingerprints are all over that particular crime I think and I just think they're just a really quite a reprehensible band in general. So so what so what do you like
0: about the album? (laughs) All
1: right. Oh no, nothing about the album. I like the fact that this has told me (laughs) that I was right about them and that now that metalcore and that kind of thing that that kind of Orange County Screamo thing isn't cool anymore. They've decided to try and sound like Shinedown. Uh, I, so, which is kind of, for me, is gone. Ah, yes, of course. Of course. Because you can't sell records doing what you are doing before. So, of course, you're going to pick the thing that will get you on radio. Because all you care about is selling as many records as you can. And you're just fucking hacks. So, um, yeah, I think this is a, a genuinely dreadful dreadful record from a really quite a dreadful band
2: is what i would say wow
0: i mean i've got some nice things to say about this album so i'm gonna to wait to live those until i let jonathan add the shit filling to this yeah
2: I'm, I'm i'm gonna i'm gonna break it down a little bit actually so i mean for them in a true this is just another day in the office isn't it um you know it's like the thing is like this the, every song is so modular like like it was spliced together from bits for you know, from different models in your studio. Let's put this bit here, let's put this bit there. So they're not songs. So when you say they're hacks, and, and this is why I say, like, you know, uh, Nickelback is given too much credit because whatever you think about Nickelback, they write songs. These aren't songs, these are constructions. You know, there's just every bit is in its right place. There's nothing organic about them, there's nothing felt about them. The lyrics, the, the, the lyrics are, are so, they're so lazy. Like um, you know, broke again or, you know, it's, it's almost like you know, that lyric. It's almost like chumba wumba <laughs> uh, for the for for, for generations. First, first like, thing you know, I, I fall didn't, down but I get back I up didn't again. Think be hearing today. Yeah, but you know it's all it's all just like I fall down but I get back up again, I'm broken. But they don't, you don't sound broken. And at the worst, you know, at best they sound like some bad motivation instruction in structure. You know, there's, there's no real sense of introspection. And everything else just feels, like, really complacent. Like, they have a song called Cap- Catastrophe, and it's like, what is a catastrophe? You just say it's a catastrophe, or I'm fucked, or, or fucked up. It's like, what are you fucked up about? You haven't actually said. It's just e- this easy playing on emotions. And, um, you know, to get out my subbing head on this, on, on some of it, it's like, you know, Untouchable, and it goes, we're untouchable, don't step to me well, why would you bother if, if someone steps to you if you're untouchable because you can deal with it you know it's just like what the hell and it's like and then what's it yeah this other song like with ago <laughs> they all live in a misery but gripe. i love it <laughs> you know they have this there's this lyric that goes um uh they all live in misery but we don't it's like yes you do all your all your songs up to now have been about being um miserable and it's just like you just want you just you know they have this kind of like i'm down but i'm i'm strong and it's just like they just want both the cakes to eat it without actually having any detail and then it's that last song was it like sometimes i fall from the sky and then it goes i'm a warrior well you're not unless you're in a parachute and you've got fatigues <laughs> while you're falling from the sky <laughs> i mean you know it's just like you just want your cake and eat it you want you want all the you know you want all the pity but then you want to go I'm strong but there's there's nothing there's nothing introspective and honest and there's nothing really strong about what you're doing and it's just it's just this it's just this by rote you know series of basic milk or tropes without any sort of filling it out any of the details whatsoever with this really modular this bit goes here that bit goes there songwriting that's yeah, really I done. mean,
1: to give it a, a little bit of... Some, I mean, to compare it with an album which, I mean, me and you have spoken about a little bit more, and it's not actually out yet, but the Times of Grace album, the Jesse Leach and Adam D album is, that's coming out quite soon, right? Now, that is not a musically particularly interesting record, really. That is a fairly bog-standard, quite, like, you know... quite Straightforward. Just, you know, they're just songs. Straightforward rock songs, right? But I found that record because of jesse and because of the context of the stuff that you said i found that record incredibly moved like genuinely felt that record found that record incredibly moving because of jesse's performance because of the relationship between jesse and adam that you hear on that record it didn't need to necessarily be anything musically groundbreaking to bring that level of emotion out in me but 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 just being really sort of heartfelt and honest and I, i i i found that album like really quite poignant and beautiful whereas this they're kind of basically saying the same things but then but it's stripped of anything approaching like real emotion or humanity in in any way yes, whatsoever. yeah there's, and, and, there's
2: no inner life
1: no it's just and it's just again they are they are fucking chances they were chances in the early 2000s and they're chances now like i, I just uh, you know they're a they're a bad band i mean i think that's really...
0: I, I i can't to be honest there's no vulnerability i, I can't there. really um dispute anything you guys have said and to be honest i, I don't think i find myself going about for a trade because i even back in the day <laughs> but yeah, no seriously even back in the day when i was so hot on kill switch and especially avenge sevenfold um you know i never really cared about a trade as much as a lot of my peers and friends did but I think, you know, they've unquestionably... Because those
1: two bands have their own identity, which Atreo don't Maybe, have.
0: but the, Atreo unquestionably had a massive impact on that scene, and they were probably one of the next ones... That, you're talking about them and Bleeding Through and 18 Visions and those kind of bands are the next ones down in that whole category. And I think there's a reason why Killswitch and Avenged are comfortably bigger and better than all those other bands. But I, I definitely don't have as much of a problem with this kind of thing. I just think it probably is a little... I don't want to say it's dated because it is something that's still very hot in metal right now in many ways. But I just don't find it that inspiring. I mean, in terms of that kind of overwrought, earnest, bouncy metal core that they're trying to do, I just think for me, Beartooth have perfected it to an extent and to an emotionally raw and honest extent that no one else can really step up to it. Um, and there's actually quite a few songs on here, to be honest, where, ironically, because I wouldn't be surprised if Caleb would list the trailer as an influence, but there's quite a few songs on here where... I just think, oh, Teeth do this now, and they do it so much better than everyone else. Um, you know, to add some balance to it, I know Elle loves this album. I know she she was saying she thinks it's just a really fun, light, bouncy, summer metal album, and she's really into it. Um, uh, Danny Levers gave it a very fair um, 6 out of 10, I think it was, maybe a 7? I think it was 6. six out, of, Yeah, 6 out of 10 review, um, which you can read on the Metal Hammer website now. I think it's a nice, balanced review. So for me, I mean you probably know from just listening to us talk about this whether this album is worth your time or not but you know I, I i'm all right it's fine it's not something i'm going to be playing a lot but it didn't have me seething necessarily you know what i mean like it's fine i can live with this kind of metal now it's okay yeah i just i just
2: resent i just resent a band treating me like an easy mark i would you never I treat mean like
0: an easy mark jonathan let alone an orange county Thank you. band um so yeah, Indeed, that is yeah. <laughs> that is uh, that is a tray baptized. It is out now. Um, you know, if you just want some fucking fun, bouncy metalcore, like I do, think you could do a lot worse. So go and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Steve's Tourette's coming in there again. But,
2: <laughs> but yeah, no, no, but, the, but, the, but the, the the surface quality of it is tacky. Like you know, in the tactile sense, tacky. Jonathan's
0: letting nothing slide when it comes to correct use of verbiage today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to go to a totally different end of the spectrum, um, and something I think we're all probably going to have nicer things to say about, um, we're going to review the debut album from Black Moon Mother. It's called Illusions Under the Sun. It's out now on Petrichor, um, and this is a relatively new band from Nashville. They've had one EP. This is their debut full length. Um, uh it's atmospheric moody melancholic blend of like kind of fuzzy psych rock shoegaze doom dark pop all swimming around there uh, this kind of hypnotic croon of their singer brianna o'neill who's brilliant um i think this is a brilliant album it's like the shades of sabbath in here chelsea wolf i think there's quite a lot of typo of negative especially on the production side as well um this has got to be a bit of you hasn't it jonathan
2: oh my god this 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 song is what this Kind of music is wired into my DNA <laughs> um, like the minute I heard this, I was just like, you know you know you know me, I just love these kind of slow rituals around a campfire in space kind of music and um and so yeah it's just got that thing that a lot of these other you know it's got this that strange mix of purpose and dis- dislocation that I really love that like um you know that Chelsea Wolf has got that people like Darker have got and and I love the way the songs, like, they feel like they're being woven together out of the ether in real time. But with, you know, and they're from Nashville, so they've got, like, um, this, this whole rich musicality that slowly comes into being through the music. And also, you can you can really hear them, like, slowly sloughing off their influences as your music goes. Like, you know, like, around the thing, I think it's the second track, you can almost hear a bit of the breeders in it. And then it, in some of the bass lines. And then it just kind of goes off into its own ether and you know high winds it's got uh, i don't know if you you, you, you got, it's got hints of earlier uh who was, an, who was an amazing late singer and and it just it allows things to emerge organically which is completely opposite of what um of what um uh you know trade so it's got this absolute wonderful mix of earth and air and um yeah and high winds um and, you know, it starts off with this kind of very mournful, longing, Alia Starbridge feeling, but then it just hits this kind of, and it, when I say hits, it just kind of segues into this kind of well of doom but a certain resonance that only certain doom bands like Electric Wizard can touch that you know, that really sort of subterranean something or other that like say maybe um, PJ Harvey can touch but other, other artists can't, you know, the, the real kind of general, genuine darkness but it's also kind of coming into light. And it also reminds me of um, one of my favorite bands of the last two years, which is called Dead Feathers, which, again, this kind of very ri- ritualistic, mantric way of making music. Um, and who I think are the most underrated band of the last few years. And I think the year it came out, they, their, their debut album, also called Dead Feathers, probably the album I played the most that year. And so it just feels like a lot of influences being drawn out, of the, drawn out and then being... Um, And then being uh, transcended, if you like. And it's just a beautiful, immersive, like deeply felt record. And um, I'm in love with it.
0: I mean, I I cannot give it higher praise than that. I think it's a really, really lovely album. Um, It's just very kind of soul-staring and, like I say, kind of melancholic, emotional. Um, It's got a real pull to it that uh, I think you really have to get. I mean, there's a lot of music out there right now that kind of has these kinds of shades to it i think like you hear an album like this and it's not like oh this is unlike anything i've heard before but there's just there's certain bands that just kind of nail it so well that they just really pull you under in a whole different way and i think they really do that on this album. yeah
2: yeah i think that's a lot to do with the pacing um and this what I like about certain slow movies is that they, they bring almost like your biorhythms down to a certain pace that you're not really used to but then It makes you aware of so much other stuff on the emotional spectrum that was kind of invisible beforehand because you're always in a rush and then and then you know when when you sort of you reach this kind of like this kind of tempo that they do this kind of very slow swirling tempo you really start to it really illuminates things that you don't they you kind of knew were always there but but weren't stuff on the you know something on the periphery perhaps of consciousness and they kind of and they really kind of bring that in into the whole dynamic and it's a really magical experience. I
0: definitely agree. It's a fucking great album. Um, did you get? Did you get much of a listen to this one, Steve? What did
1: you think? I've only listened to it once through, um, and I was quite impressed with it. But I feel like there's more of it to come. Uh, the more kind of listens that I get into it, I don't really feel like I feel how Jonathan feels about it at the moment because I was I thought like there's. Tonally, it's lovely. Like it's a lusciously, it's got a beautiful. Again, all that stuff that you were mentioning before about Chelsea wolf and the Breeders is a really like interesting sort of point to bring up. That kind of, um, that kind of, it's kind of cold and fuzzy at the same time. uh, Parts I thought, which is really cool. Um, and it's got you know I listen to a lot of eighties post punk stuff, and it's got a real feel of not. You know a bit of that the, the the sort of feeling of um of isolated darkness that a lot of that music has as well i thought it was cool really cool i would be more interested i would be more interested to come back in like a week or so and go i've listened to it five six seven times rather than just like one time through before i give you much more of a hypothesis than that but i thought it was one of those records where immediately it just sounds if, if you like that sort of thing it just sounds delicious you know what I mean? Like some some albums are like a meal, and that's like well every album you could say is like a meal, and the Atreo album is like a <laughs> bit a bit of, a bit of bread with margarine soon, on it. As soon as like
0: you said that thing about albums like a meal, I saw a glint in your eye, and like he's going to compare the Atreo album to something. But yeah, it, it but, but
2: yeah, it's like, it's like an ice cream you've managed to like save it for the, over the course of like an entire hour.
0: Well, that's never going to work, yeah. mate.
2: Yeah, it'll melt. <laughs> yeah, awesome.
0: especially if right, you eat.
2: in a sit in a freezer
0: yeah but then yeah. it's too hard isn't it yeah. you want it you want but, yeah. it like that nice little softening yeah. vibe to it yeah that's true yeah. Yeah. but,
2: but, you, but yeah. it's also it, yeah i was going to say it's also the nature of the record that it's going to give up its jewels over time like mm. you know you know every time you go back to it it's going to like reveal more
1: yeah i mean i love i, I kind of love the fact that it wasn't instantaneous. Inter- the songs didn't they weren't kind of instantaneous songs I was more kind of struck by just the overall mood of it before I was struck by the actual songs themselves. I think that's always a really, really good sign of a good album that you're really intrigued by it or you just really like being in its presence before the actual songs really grab hold of you on the sort of fourth, fifth listen. So, yeah, I, I, I'm keen to go back to this.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a fine album. Um, it is. The the name of the album is uh, Illusions Under the Sun. It's by Black Moon Mother. You can hear that right now on all your usual platforms whichever one you choose yeah. oh go on
2: yeah it just doesn't say one thing so it was actually self-released oh uh, yeah year, sorry i was going to say that i forgot labels. to mention
0: that yeah it looked like it's technically been around the around the block before
2: yeah but now it's got released on petrica properly um, and I've been ironing up the vinyl because it's just one of those records I really need. To, I feel like I really need to. I bet it'll bloody lovely.
0: Um, got a couple more albums to run through here. Uh, this next one's interesting. We've got the debut album from Noctool which is the black metal solo project of Serena Cherry from Swabia. They put out an absolute blinder of an album last year. Made it into I think the top five of our uh, of our albums of the year. One of the most beloved kind of uh, UK metal bands in the scene right now. Obviously Serena is a huge extreme metal aficionado. Uh, uh, and uh, she's produced her own Black Metal Solo project. And the, the project is called Noctul. The album is called Wretched Abyss. It's out now via the brilliant Church Road Records. Um, and uh, it's a concept album based around Skyrim. Um, and for anyone that's not a big nerd like us, uh, that Skyrim is one of the biggest fantasy gaming titles ever, basically. It's a huge, expansive uh, RPG game um, in the fantasy realm. Uh, and this is a black metal project centred around that um what are we saying about uh, about this album steve as as someone i mean i know you like plenty of black milk yourself but as someone who also likes a lot of svalbard stuff um did you know what to expect mm. from this album what do you kind of make of it
1: well i don't know anything about skyrim i think it's probably worth me saying that straight off the bat i don't know shit about skyrim so does it conjure the 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 kind of feel and um uh aesthetic of skyrim I am not the person I mean, it's to it's it's, 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 it's long police.
0: windswept expansive mountains and Nordic stuff and fantasy epic mm-hmm. icy battles. So it's kind of in Black Metal's wheelhouse. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from what I know about it, you know, it makes perfect sense. Um, I was just wondering that how much of that Skyrim um, backstory you would have to know to really properly get it as much because i obviously don't um i think this is quite good i think this is quite good i mean it should i think it's 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 a solo black metal side project and i think it should probably be judged as such because you know based on a computer game so i think it's not i think it would be hard to make something that was sort of genuinely essential from that and so i think this has got moments on it that are that are quite good i like it when it goes a bit more like you know funnily enough when it goes a bit more sort of classic heavy metal i think there's a few times where you get a bit of a sort of iron maiden rumble um gallopy bass part some really cool like icy leads over you'll the be unsurprised
0: to know that those are some of my favorite bits as well i, I love it when i mm-hmm. mean that's one of the things that black metal does really well it kind of sews in those kind of classic melodic heavy metal influences quite a lot and i, and I love the way this album does that definitely
1: yeah that's probably my favorite bit about it. There's a couple of like real blasty bits in it that I like as well overall though um I don't really feel like it's you know it's it's okay. I don't think it's particularly dynamic and I'm not really a big enough fan of just the general sound of black metal straight to be um to be thinking that i will go back to this to be perfectly honest
0: i think that's probably fair enough as someone who is more of a an expert knee deep in the world of black metal jonathan what do you make
2: of this album well i quite liked it it's better than i thought it's a lot better than i thought it was going to be not because of anything to do with serena who's obviously a great artist just again just on paper a metal record about skyrim obviously it's you know and i don't i don't know skyrim either i've never played it i'm still I've still only ever beaten two Big Daddies in um, Bioshock. <laughs> uh, and that's as far as... That's how far behind I am. But... Um, uh, but, So, I feel like it, it's in this kind of in-between zone between black metal and post-black metal. It has elements of both. And... Um, and I wouldn't listen to it in the way that I would listen to like a, a, a straightforward black metal record because it doesn't have that kind of... kind of dark transcendent feeling to it and it's not trying to there's nothing kind of trying to be you know it's it's not kind of aggressive so that's you know it's it's kind of much more romantic sweet which is why it's got that kind of post black metal sound to it as well as a black metal sound but i think that if you want to create a world um without it being anything to do with any kind of sense of opposition i think it does it quite well i my only you know it's got kind of it's got kind of lots of peaks and valleys. It's got, um, it's definitely got its own sound. I like the kind of the element of reverb on her voice. I think it gives it a real lot of atmosphere. My only issue is that by about three quarters, two thirds of the way through, it starts to feel a little bit samey. But, um, um, but I, you know, like a lot of post-black metal bands, I kind of think, well, you've totally misunderstood. You've you've basically jettisoned all the things that black metal is supposed to be about and you're just running with whatever's left and you don't really have enough skin in the game to be really doing this. Um, and I don't put that same criteria on this cause it doesn't fit. It just, it's, um, she obviously loves it. You know, obviously loves her blackmail. It's not trying to do the things that a blackmail, a lot of blackmail does, but it's, it feels, it feels like a very honest, um, journey into whatever internal landscape she's trying to, um, trying to conjure and um i don't feel you need to know what you know about skyrim for this you can you know if it's not evocative in its own right then um then it's it's going to fail as numb and it is enough
0: yeah no i think that's really fair i you know I, i do really like this record i think as someone who has a relatively surface level connection with black metal this ticks a lot of the boxes that normally draw me into the bands in that side of the scene which is normally you know good use of melody running under it like steve mentioned um some kind of like heavy metal histrionics at the center of it um i agree i think her voice sounds really cool the way it's produced on here it it really works for me so yeah i like this album and uh i think whether you're a fan of svalbard or just someone looking for some really solid new black metal to listen to i think you could do a lot worse than listen to this noctual album
2: yeah yeah i just think it doesn't have that friction sure that really good blackmail has. But I don't but I don't think that's what it's going for, so I wouldn't hold that against yeah, it.
0: I think that's really fair. It's it is out uh, now, as I said, on the awesome Church Road records. Um obviously you can stream it and all that wherever you like as well. Um finally uh, Steve mentioned being a big fan of 80s stuff earlier and I think we're going to have to uh, lean on both of your expertise in that round for this next album because we're reviewing the new album from Perturbator, Lustful Sacraments, out now on Blood Music. Um, I don't think anyone would argue that maybe after Carpenter Brute, Perturbator is probably the foremost uh, artist from the synthwave scene that kind of exploded into the metal undergrounds a few years ago. Um, real name, James Kent uh and there's been a lot said around this album to be honest a lot of it by perturbator himself there's a lot of kind of hype about him kind of leaving the synthwave tag behind um embracing the more goth industrial side of his 80s palette um do you think this album has exceeded in that sense steve is there enough here to really pull perturbator away from the synthwave crowd
1: yeah definitely and i think it's actually i mean i was having you know the the, the conversations that I've had with people regarding this are usually kind of focus on that. Like, is this a synthwave album? And I think there's enough of it, um, to be kind of, I mean, he's still a synthwave artist, but I don't really feel like this is a synthwave album. I and mean, when you think about the best, um, or the, the things that are most sort of striking about that scene, certainly something like Carpet and Brute is very danceable.
0: Yeah. It's part of you know, It's party Ghost
1: is very, yeah, very danceable. And that kind of day glow eighties thing that those bands do. And I think new model, the last, um, perturbator EP was markedly darker and slower and creepier and lent on and grayer. It's a, you know, kind of, it's a rather than, it be that kind of neon pink electric pink it's more of a gray and i think this album is more of a gray as well what it does do is it means that i mean is synthwave really an original sound i mean you can't really say it is i think it felt like quite a unique thing to be happening at the time because it was a long time since you'd heard anything like this happening and certainly within the prism of like you know a metal band doing it or something kind of conjoined with extreme metal it did feel like a weird thing and it obviously captured the imagination of i mean i remember going to see perbater at um the the ULU in london and there was people with like napalm death shirts on and carcass shirts and it was all like you know it was it was metal it was all metalheads um so he's definitely like hit that mark for those people this is a much i think this is certainly got more to do with kind of like i say um something like Cabaret Voltaire than it does, like, I don't know, Duran Duran or Miami Vice. Uh, you know, it's more June and Cabaret Voltaire than Miami Vice and Spandau Ballet, which is what uh, the synthwave thing would have been previously. So I think it's a bit slower, it's a bit darker, it's a bit greyer. Um, it's got some actual vocals on it as well, giving it a kind of goth feel. Um, very kind of Andrew Eldritch from the Sisters of Mercy sort of feel to it as well I think if you like all that stuff you know if, if you like your 80s to be the Lost Boys this maybe is a bit darker but if, than, than that and I think what's cool about Synthwave is it was like the kind of the absolute kind of retro it was almost like an idealised version of retro 80s Synthwave wasn't it it was like everything that was sort of O T T about the eighties turned up even further and brought back and lent on the most sort of ludicrous parts of it, but there actually was a kind of lot of dark grey industrial stuff in the eighties, and I think um, I think he's definitely leaning more towards that territory on this record than than definitely any of his peers, and I think it's good because it sets him apart from his peers in synthwave, but it maybe isn't particularly unique in the. I think there's a lot of bands from you know, I mentioned JJ on this podcast before I like trains album that came out last year. There's a lot of bands doing that kind of eighties post-punk. e industrially thing, uh, that kind of killing joke thing. And I think there's a, you know, that's more where this album is heading towards, I think, which is cool. Cool for me. Cause I like that shit. Yeah.
0: That's, I think that's really lot. fair. I mean, I really like this album. I think it's really, really good. I've said that a few times today, so it's a lot of good shit around at the moment. Um, uh, it sounds like an obvious thing because so much of where synthwave have come from has come from kind of soundtracks and the kind of john carpenter-esque uh, productions and things like that but this really does sound like a proper soundtrack because it's really paced differently i think for a lot of single wave. it's not just chucking bangers at you left right and center um i think the atmospherics on it are quite unique uh, and like you said Steve, the kind of pacing on it is different it's not afraid to slow things right down into a more this kind of foreboding imposing slog um, there's a track called dethroned under a funeral haze that is really kind of slow and brooding and atmospheric that i really like it just kind of seeps under your skin and feels like a a clear shift away tonally from the kind of stuff that underpins someone like carpenter brute i think um i mean jonathan as someone who who grew up in the 80s and has lived it uh how much do you think this album re- and this kind of thing when bands try to go into this realm really capture the essence of what made that decade so unique and so iconic and just I guess so heavily mined for iconography since
2: Well, um, there's two ways to approach this. Um, first of all, the reason why meltheads, especially a lot of old school meltheads, love all this stuff, is because if you're an old school melthead, the chances are you grew up in the eighties, so you grew up around this. Um, and you know, even if you're even if you and I wasn't actually in the eighties, but um, it was still it was still, you know, very much part of your DNA. I mean you could chat to the, I could chat to the guys, and particularly Jason and David MacCockett about a love of Japan and David Sylvian, like till the cows come home. Um, now, actually, Persubase was the first synthwave artist I ever got introduced to. Um, I had someone like raving about him, said this, this, this thing's gonna be massive. And I was like, I listened to it and I was like, what, seriously? To me, it just, at the, at the beginning, it sounded like a parody of what the 80s was, um, especially 80s music. Um, this is just too overbright, uh, and, and and maybe it lacks some of the gloom that was actually part of the '80s and part of um, what really drew people who are into metal as well into it. Um, but so that's probably why, like a lot of this kind of post-punk and goth has been seeping into metal for the last three, four, five years anyway, because um, a because it's um uh, it's what we grew up with. B it feels you know that kind of itchy sense of of itchy sense of angst and isolation feels kind of very appropriate to now. Um, and also, yeah, it's just it's just great music. And I think I actually think so. I actually think this. Part, I didn't really get to synthwave until I saw Carb to Boot live, and then it, and then it all clicked. And I'm an '80s kid. I just thought it was a bit too much of a parody. It didn't really sound like anything that I grew up with, which had a bit more uh, nuance to it. Even though. Um you know so it's was a idea of eighties people who didn't grow up in the eighties i think but this this but this feels really much like you know it's kind of it's, it's almost like synth wave noise isn't it it it's and it's got a very sort of urban feel to it um uh, so it really it really is' this kind of like cityscape and you can, you know it's gone from like junk up to also that you can hear little bits of vangelis and there's some songs where I can hear real parallel with the band like voices. Who are like again very you know urban based but a black metal band who also brought in um, uh, a lot of post punk and and goth influences into say into the last couple of albums and there's this little bits that just really parallel it uh, so that also like totally um, you know I can, I can see the bond between the metal scene and and this kind of dark wave and 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 post punk as well and. I actually thought that when I first heard that, I can't imagine anyone dancing to this. I was listening to the to the game on the headphones just like, actually yeah you can. This, people, this is this what people used to dance to in goth clubs. You just gotta do the goth hands. <laughs> goth <laughs> hands is just like a really moody <laughs> jazz <know>. hands. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um so I actually I didn't think it was danceable and then listening to it again today, I think, no actually. I can I can totally see a kind of like, you know, like a la- this is the last party before the apocalypse. They can't really dance sort of you can't really right say on. Don't, that, can you? yeah um
0: yeah it's a cool album and i think it's uh it shows that there's kind of legs in the synth wave scene like when it first kind of exploded it felt like an oddity and i think it, you know there was some cracking music in it from the start i mean Perturbator's has already done some great stuff um i think the of root album a couple years ago is absolutely blinding as well so i've got a lot of love for this scene but i think there's there's you know whether you want to call this synth, i mean it's still it's still this is still a synthwave artist it's just a very different shade and i think this album shows that there's um a lot of evolutions even if it's evolutions still technically looking backwards um that this scene can provide so i know there's a couple to tribute album on the way at some point or at least presume there is so i'll be interested to see and
2: uh, and the ghost album yeah album yeah and well. a ghost
0: album as well obviously we're talking about synthwave wave ghost not ghost ghost um so yeah there's lots of stuff to come from that scene and uh hopefully this will be a signpost for how it can evolve um perturbator lustful sacraments is out right now via blood music it's all good stuff um and if you did if that's not your vibe maybe you'll prefer the fear factory album if you don't like that we've also reviewed atreyu uh black moon mother knocked all, loads of great and interesting stuff out right now um and that is it for this week's show so we'll be back next week in download week if you can actually believe that uh, for a whole new metal hammer podcast we'll see you then and don't forget to go and check out our awesome sponsors killstar you can get an exclusive discount by heading over to www.killstar.com slash pages slash metal pods we'll see you next week everybody goodbye
2: bye goodbye